Well, our theme the last few services has been to the spirit of the living God fall fresh on me. And, you know, we want the Lord to be fresh. Um, stale's not much good. Uh, you ever opened up a, anything, bag of chips, popcorn, anything, and it's, uh, it's got the humidity in it, and it's all soggy, and it's no good. Um, I think the good image in the Bible is manna that's been kept a couple extra days full of maggots. And uh, that's what happens when we let our spiritual life uh, get the same way. It, it just becomes dead. It becomes uh, not, not very, very encouraging at all in our spiritual life. Um, when I was a young Christian, I remember learning to have personal devotions as a real challenge for me. I didn't have a model. I, nobody in my family had them. The first time I saw somebody have any devotions was a pastor at Bible camp. I ran down to the lake, and uh, I forgot something. I ran back up to the cabin, flung the door open, and there was my, my um, counselor. He's probably about my age, and he's counseling junior boys. God bless him. And, but he's down at the bunk on his knees with his Bible open, and you just almost feel the presence of God. And I'd never seen anything like that where somebody was just in, into their Bible on their own like that. That impressed me, left an indelible mark. And then my neighbors um, that took me to church, when we would go over around lunchtime, of course, being on the farm, dad would come in for lunch, and they'd always have family altar right there. And those are my two models that I had, but I had no other. I didn't know how to have family altar, I mean, uh, personal devotions. So uh, often... When I tried to have my devotions, I got burdened. I tried to have them at night before I went to bed. And this is how I'd wake up the next day, very, very honestly, like this, you know, with my Bible laying across my chest. I tell you, I was in Matthew chapter 3 forever. I could just never get about four verses and I'd fall asleep. You ever been there? Uh, it just wasn't a good time for me. And then I, did, I, I didn't know that you should have a systematic study. So this was my honest, honestly, I think every Christian I've ever met has done something like this. Lord, I don't know where to go, so would you guide my devotions today? You ever done that? Oh, yeah. That's not very good, okay? I know the Lord can use that, but that's not really good devotions. If you're still doing that, you need to mature uh, past that point. But I, I can remember doing that and uh, asking the Lord, and then I found the book of Revelation. Oh, that was exciting, but I didn't understand a bit of it after I got about the third chapter, but I was interested. But uh, the book of Revelation, the future, people are sort of get their, their tongue wetted on that. And then I found the book of Proverbs. Read a proverb a day. You know, Proverbs uh, uh, today is what, the 23rd? Read Proverbs 23. And so I was maturing. I was getting a plan of sort, but I still wasn't having good devotions and then I can remember uh, that I had good intentions, but somehow stretches of weeks would go by where I didn't have my Bible devotions. Can you identify with that? And I'd be under conviction. I wanted to. And I can remember thinking, you know what, I need to have my devotions, but there's something, I can't explain it, other than maybe Satan or the flesh. After you haven't read the Bible for about five or six days, it just like, like it takes a lot of energy to get back in. Have you ever felt that? You just, you just can't quite jump in. And so that consistency wasn't there, and I'd have trouble getting started over and over and over again. Maybe you've walked a different walk, but that was my first start. 
And it wasn't until I got really probably off to my senior year off to college, right about there, about I started to really be consistent and disciplined in my life to read my Bible. I was telling my Bible class the other day, one of the things that really helped me, even when I got to Bible college, a Bible major, I was just really sort of hitting and missing still. And somebody came to chapel and they said this, they said, um, God doesn't want your leftover time. God wants your best time. And so he was challenging in a lot of different areas. And it just struck me that, you know, maybe I'm just trying to give God the, the easy time, the little spare extra off to the ends. So I started thinking, what was my best time? Well, in college, my best time was about second hour. I'd had an hour, I had a period where I went to the library and studied, and I said, God, you can have that half hour right there, right out of that. When I gave God my best time, my devotions went just like that. I started making it a priority in my life. And you know what? You make a priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. I was growing. Can you, can you identify with the struggle I went through? And uh, that was a big thing. And then when I got in Bible college, I heard the 4M formula. And I'm just reviewing a little bit, warming us up tonight a little bit. The 4M formula is something, sounds like cough syrup, but I've been talking about it. It was actually by Dr. Walter Fremont. And some of you might know Dr. Fremont from the past. He was a godly, godly man that taught on campus. And he talked about the first M, the form was to mark your Bible. And if you don't mark your Bible, whether it's electronic or whatever, you really ought to start marking your Bible. So how do you mark it? There's a lot of ways. But what I do is I keep a little card in my Bible. Uh, I keep a, 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 a little, uh, there it is right there, sliding around. All right. Give me a hard time, will you? I just keep a business card. And I use that to underline. And then I always keep a fine point pen. Fine point as opposed to a medium because it underlines more neatly and doesn't clog up and stuff like that. So I keep these, these two things around. And so I mark. What do you mark? I mark the things that really speak to me. Don't mark everything, just the ones that really sort of jump out. You may have like three verses in a row and then nothing for ten. I circle, I draw arrows of things that come to me. I put little points. Preachers are always looking for one, two, three, four, five, you know. And I, I'm always marking my Bible, at things that stand out. Then after you mark, the next thing you do is you meditate. Meditate is just thinking on it. Okay, I've marked some of these verses really sort of jump out on me. And you may either electronically want to paste them someplace or write them on a card like this, put them in your pocket. There's a lot of ways to do it. But you just go through the day and you keep thinking on it. Do you find yourself standing in line, waiting, doing different things? Take it out. Think on it. Have something to meditate on in your life. So uh, you meditate. Uh, I could go on and do That's another message. But then the, the third is you memorize. And you, you mark a lot of verses, you meditate on a few less, you memorize the really, really, really big ones. See, how do I find those? They'll jump out at you. And often what I did when I was younger, 
I would take these pages, these extra pages in the back of your Bible, the ones that are blank, and I would just write verses to memorize. I'd either get them from my devotions or the preacher was preaching. I said, that's a good one. Okay? And I would memorize. So you've marked them, you've meditated, you got some of the good out of it, you really get what it means, uh, what it means to your life, and then you memorize the ones, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And so you're memorizing. And the fourth M is the most important. Without that, you've really not got, you, you're just not getting it yet. The fourth M is, is master. You are mastering the principles that God is teaching you. And I found years ago, I, I, I kept some journals when I was a senior and early in my Bible college days, and I would write down, uh, this verse means this, this verse on my own. And I looked back and I thought, you know, this is like 50 years ago. And I thought, hey, you did pretty good. You weren't that old in the Lord, but you were understanding pretty good. It isn't that difficult. It really isn't that difficult. And I find that what you mark and write down and all this, you, you tend to like focus in, you know, sort of like your, you know, like a microscope or a telescope, whichever way you want to look at it. This is, this is what this is doing. You're marking. So do you have a, and we use a word, we use systematic. In other words, you have a system, you have a plan, you have a plan of attack. You're going to slowly work your way through uh, the Bible in some form. I wouldn't necessarily just start in Genesis and go to Revelation. Go in one book and master it, you know. Grab a hold of the book of John. That's the first book I recommend for every Christian. If you've never read St. John and really devoured it, do, do that in the next couple of months. 21 chapters take you three weeks to read it through a chapter at a time. And John talks about the deity of Christ. It's really just an excellent book, and just really devour that. And then if I were you, I'd go write the next book, John, and then go to Acts. Acts is the church unfolding. It's the Acts of the Apostles. It's the power of God falling upon the church. Then go to Romans, and Romans is a little more doctrinal, you see, and just work your way through into something like that. And then you can sort of jump back in the Old Testament at a certain point in, in your life. But have a plan. Make it systematic in your life. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I was in Bible college, Dr. Stuart Custer used to go over to the uh, Far, uh, over to Israel a lot, and he brought back this little teeny lamp, and he said, let me explain to you what the difference between a lamp and a light is. Uh, the light is like a torch. Uh, it's, a, it's a light unto my path. So I'm going between villages, and I have this torch, and I'm out here in the night, and when I'm really sort of needing to have something, I light that thing, and I can see my way to go between the villages. But sometimes I get in a place where, you know, it's just, you know, a little tedious. They would have a, a lamp that they would strap on their foot. And it would just be there, filled a little bit of oil, have a little light. It's, it gives you not enough light to go out like, you know, 25 feet. It's enough to take the next step. So the Bible in this passage of Scripture said it's a light, a lamp unto my feet. And a lamp unto my... So you get the idea that uh, you have your daily devotions, you have the preaching of the Word, and it's guiding you through your, through your life. And so these are very, very simple. Look at Psalm 63, please. Psalm 63. Tonight I'm sort of trying to stir us up with the idea of a freshness in our devotions. 
this crowd, most of you, are attempting or having or whatever your devotions, and we all can just use a little extra boost. Amen? So I hope that will be the result of tonight, maybe next Wednesday, depends how far I get. Psalm 63, look at verse 1. O God, thou art my God. Well, we could stop right there, couldn't we? Lord, I love you. You're my God. Thank you for saving me. Oh, God, you are my God. I embrace you. I love you. That's a good start. But notice what he says next. Early will I seek thee. When I was a young Christian, I told you I, I would read the Bible more at the end of the day. I'm not a really good first-in-the-morning person. How many would agree that's true of you? So I don't jump out of bed and grab my Bible, okay? I just, it's not me. My wife, Yes. My wife has beat me up most of our life. I mean, she gets up before me. She, she, you know, she beats me up, okay? So that's, everybody's got their own personality. But um, I do, there was a time in my life where I shifted my devotions much earlier in the day. And I think that's more healthy. And I'm going to talk to you about that in just a moment. But he, he says here, um, my God, thou, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee, my soul thirsteth for thee. I find that it's easier to get out of bed when you're looking forward to something. This morning I struggled to get up just a little bit. You know, it had been raining, it was gray. And then I remembered I had some things I wanted to accomplish this morning. Boink, I was out of bed. Because I had, uh, now I had a mission, you know what I mean? Well, devotion should be that. Early will I seek thee, and I'm thirsty for thee. Uh, we need to develop a desire to be with God. Devotion will be easier if you look forward to meeting God. You get hungry for him. It's sort of like somebody that falls in love. Man, they make every excuse to get together. Okay, early will I seek thee. And then he says, my soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land. And boy, it seems like in America, it seems like in our lives, it seems like in our jobs, it seems like in our families, oh, it's so dry and so thirsty and Sunday to Sunday and all the different things, Lord, really, I need you. I need, I need. Uh, I learned several years ago something that helps me uh, physically. I'm going to make it a, an application. I read that one of the best things you can do to get yourself moving in the morning is get up and grab a couple glasses of water. It just gets in your system, gets you moving. And I found that to be really, it does help. Get up and grab a couple glasses of water. Do you hear me? Get up and just get in the Word of God. Get something in your system. Get it, get it functioning. And I'll tell you what, it'll give you some spiritual health. Not just this kind of health. As you go on. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth after thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. We have a song that goes along with this, don't we? a wonderful song. So here you find David had, had learned, here he was, if you look at the beginning of chapter 63 or the Psalm 63, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness. Have you ever felt like you were in the wilderness? What do we need to make sure we do when we're in the wilderness? 
Yeah, we need to get in the Word of God and, and get all that we can. Morning, David says morning, noon, at night. Who said the devotions was just once a day? And yet, isn't that what we just sort of fall into? I have my, I've had my devotions today. David said morning, noon, at night. Did you ever consider having more than one time with God? It's a really uh, important thing. Um, In our Christian life, a very early thing that, if you've never had it presented to you, is the Christian wheel. Sort of picture, I'm going to turn this sideways, I can make it a little easier. Can you see it over there? Okay, I want to make sure you can all see Picture that this down here is the road of life, and we're rolling along, and we want to keep our life nice and round, and uh, a, a wheel always has a center, like a, has a, an axle, and then if you have a bike, you have spokes or whatever that keeps this thing balanced, and so this will be the world, and as I'm rolling along the world of my Christian life, I need to make sure I keep Christ in the center. You ever seen, uh, uh, you ever been to like a circus or a rodeo and you ever see the clown car come out and go bumping along and it's all funny and everything? All they do is they've just taken the wheels and put them off center. And it makes it so it's all weird like that. What happens when we don't keep Christ where we belong? Life's pretty bumpy. Okay. One of the things that we need to do is keep Christ in the middle of everything. And you know, by the way, this is one of the themes this major theme of our Christian school. Our, every, every, every organization is supposed to have a distinctive. The, the distinctive Westside Baptist Academy is that we are Christ-centered. And this is the goal that we have for our academy, for our teachers, for our staff. It's for our students. We're trying to develop through Bible study, through all the different things that we do, uh, a a, a Christ-centered life. So in our Christian life, often when we talk about your early days, we talk about four spokes that are very important to keep Christ where he belongs. They really are so simple. And the the very first one that we we talk about in in the spokes um, is... uh, we need to spend time in the Word. So I'm just going to put the Bible. The Bible is God talking to us. God just dealing with us. This is the first key in that, and this is what we're talking about tonight, spending time with God in the Word. The second spoke that we would talk about right here is prayer. God talking to us, us talking to God. That's called communication. Does God want us to talk to him? You have not because you ask not. He, he says, you know, uh, I, wanted, I want us to talk. And so we find that this is real basic. And then we find two more spokes to the wheel. Obey or obedience. You can put it in the way you want. As God speaks to me, I will obey what God talks to me about. Okay? And one of the very first things that, that God uh, uh, desires in our Christian life is that we will do what he says. And then witnessing. And this isn't very pretty, sorry. But uh, witnessing. So you have God talking to me, me talking to God, me talking to God, to people for God, and then me living 
what God tells me in obedience. This is simple Christianity. Let me ask you a question. How are you doing on the basics? You know, often if you take a Bible, any kind of course in college, they say, have you, have you had the prerequisites? The prerequisite is salvation. Okay, then you're ready for this course. This is, and we could call it Christianity, so we'll put C-R-I-S-T 101 right here. 101 is the first course, right? It's your basic course. And you're not ready for 201, 301, 401 until you take 101. Is that too hard for anybody to understand? No, it's pretty easy, isn't it? So often we fail in any of these departments, and right here is the first big one, our own Bible study and our prayer life, and then learning to witness and obey. They, they all just keeping this, if we just keep going back, it's sort of like basketball, and the team's behind, and, the, and they're just out of control. The coach says, time! You guys know the basics! And that's what a pastor does. A pastor calls the church back to, let's get back in the Word of God! Let's get on our knees. Let's do what we know we should do. Let's be a spokesman for Christ in this world. And you see those themes continually in a good church being reminded because these are what's going to keep us moving along and, and having victory in this world. Amen? This is, very, this is very crucial in our Christian life. George Mueller is a, a, a voice from the past. And if you don't know George Mueller, he was a man that uh, was... He got a burden for orphans in England, and uh, he seldom told people his needs. He didn't go around and say, you know, the orphans need food, the orphans need clothes, we need money for rent. He didn't do a lot of that. Now, he did say, we're orphans, he'd go out and he preached the word of God. And, but story after story comes from the power of George Mueller's life. And... Uh, this is a little excerpt from George Mueller as he talked about his own devotions. I very seldom read, but I'm going to read this page for you to give you an idea how a man of God of power approached his Bible study. How different when the soul is refreshed and made happy early in the morning from what it is when without spiritual preparation the service, the trials, the temptations of the day are getting ready to come upon me. Can you identify with that? The point is this. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but it was rather how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. Can you, can you sense this? For I might seek to set the truth before the unconverted. I might seek to benefit believers. I might seek to relieve the distressed. I might, in other ways, seek to behave myself as it becomes a child of God in this world. And yet, 
not being happy in the Lord and not being nourished and strengthened in my inner man day by day, all this might not be attended in a right spirit of service. Have you ever done all the right things in a wrong spirit? Where has this changed? George Mueller is saying it's changed every day or refreshed in your daily time with God that your spirit, your soul's brought back, he calls it happy, you're brought back into a, a joyful relationship. Can you, can you see this? Let me ask you, are you on a regular, day-by-day kind of basis really refreshing that fellowship so that it's just joy? And then the service, and then the witnessing, and then all the other things, the glory to God flows out from it. It often now astonishes me that I did not sooner see this point. In no book did I ever read about it. No public ministry ever brought the matter before me. No private intercourse with a brother stirred me up to this matter. And yet now, since God has taught me this idea of keeping a happy spirit, it is as plain to me as anything that the very first thing the child of God has to do morning by morning is obtain food for his inner man. As the outward man is not fit for work for any length of time except you're taking in food. And as this is one of the very first things we usually do every morning, we have a good breakfast. So it should be with our inner man. We should take food for that, as everyone must allow. Now, what is the food for the inner man? Not prayer, but it's the Word of God. And here again, not the simple reading of the Word of God, so that it only passes through our minds and out the other side, just as water runs through a pipe, but considering considering what we read, pondering over it, Applying it to our lives, when we pray, then we are ready to speak to God. And that, and that, I, I found that to be rather encouraging from George Mueller. And so he's talking about his devotions and his spirit, spiritual life. I'm going to go one step further, then we're going to go to our Bible, our prayer time tonight. How do I approach actually reading my Bible this is a one method, and you can adjust, you can do your own thing, but I would suggest to you, always start your time with God in a brief time of prayer. And in that brief time of prayer, there's two things that I would make sure you do. I would seek cleansing. Make sure that you're right with God. Just like you go to a table, don't you get your hands clean? And then I would seek to praise the Lord. Cleansing and praise. Get your heart ready to meet with the Lord. Then I would review what I learned yesterday. Okay, I'm reading through the book of whatever, and I, yesterday was in chapter 2, so I'm going to go back, whether I have notes or whether I marked it, I'm going to go just sort of warm up my heart, Now I'm going to get ready to jump into chapter 3, but I'm just going to go back to make a quick review before I jump into the new material. And then I'm going to read. And if you're taking notes, I'm going to read with two things, with the understanding and slow. With the understanding and slow so that it can sink in. I was talking to Brother Barley before the service. The rain that we had the last couple days 
came rather slow here on this side of town. It just soaked in and soaked in and soaked in. I know some ran off, but a lot of it soaked in. And you know what? That's going to go right down in the tree roots. That's going to go down through the filter. It could end up in the aquifer down underneath. You know, if you don't know much about Texas, we have huge oceans of water down there. It takes sometimes almost a year for water. When we've had a drought, they can sort of get less down there. But it's filtered and filtered and filtered, and that water is just always replenishing way down. In. And that's the way we ought to be in our spiritual life, replenishing the ocean way down deep in our heart. And so you're going to read, and you're going to, you're going to understand. You're going to read slow. And I, I put a third thing here I should have said. I underline. Then when I get all done with my devotions, I'm going to recap. I'm going to go back and look what I just read. Say, you know what, this is what I I underlined this, underlined this. I'm I'm going to go back and sort of focus it and try to understand, you know, not just reading it, but I'm going to try to make some application. And and that's where you get that formula where you're going to meditate. And then I'm always in my devotions taking time to memorize. If there's something that I think shows a mature Bible study life is that you have some form of a memory program in your Christian life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I would dare say that's where most of us probably fail. And yet, that is the very thing that's going to start to thicken us and give us strength over sin is when we hide these words and these principles in our life. And then I would have my time of prayer. Will I have requests and I'm talking to God for strength and I'm fellowshipping with God on the basis of that word, time with God. And then the last thing is I would seek to share what I got with somebody else that day and I try to live it. I'm going to share it and live it. My devotions should change my life every day. Did you hear me? My devotions should have an effect on my life. If I'm having devotions and they seldom are re-aiming, affecting something I can share with my wife or people around me, we should be routinely getting stuff that we want to, we're so excited, we want to just want to bring it in, want to just throw it out there for somebody around us. This is a plan. You can adjust it for healthy devotions. Can I just run through it really quick again? You start out with that prayer of cleansing and confession and praise. You review yesterday. You read underlining and understanding and and you read slow. Don't just read it quick. Let it soak in and and chew on it. Stop and reread if you have to a little bit. Then you recap at the very end. Make some application to your life. Then always have a little memory time and then have a good prayer time where you're going to make requests with God. Draw your strength from that relationship and then you're going to live it and share it. These, that kind of approach is going to strengthen your Christian life. One more thing I would throw out tonight. If you want to get in a habit of having devotions, try to give it a spot in your day pretty much the same time every day. If you do that, it sort of gets like, okay, it's time for lunch. 
You know, it's time for breakfast. It's time to go pick up the kids at school. It's time to get in the Word of God. And if you do that where it has a slot, then you're more likely to do it. Um, I, I had a pastor when I was younger. He said, make an appointment with God, just like, how many of you have had a doctor's appointment in the new year at all? You've, you've been to a doctor sometime. You made an appointment, and when you made the appointment, did you intend to keep it? You know, my doctor says, if you don't cancel within 24 hours, you have to pay for it. <laughs> Boy, I'm going to keep it. Okay? And we ought to make an appointment with God that we intend to not break. It's called daily devotions. Okay, next week we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other aspects uh, that will develop our, our devotions. Uh, we're going to talk about six ways to study the Word of God. Six different approaches, and uh, we'll see how far that we get with that. So, Lord, may thy spirit fall fresh upon West Side Baptist Church. And I think it starts right here. Right? In Christianity 101. Amen? Yeah. Pastor Butts, I need this routinely. <laughs> I get busy. Everything's always pulling. Uh, I always start when I have a new, a new staff member, and I did this with Eric. Hi, Eric, uh, Pastor Eric. I always start the same way with him. I say there's three things that I want to tell you before we get started. Number one, your own spiritual life is your responsibility, and everybody will steal your time. You make sure you have them. I mean, if you don't, if you don't you're going to be a failure as an assistant pastor. Number two, um, your physical life. Boy, I learned that in the middle of my life. I was so busy, I didn't take time for my body. Let me tell you, I do now. You can't, if you're dead, you can't do much, amen? And I, I learned that lesson, okay. And then the third thing I always tell them, you gotta make sure you find time for your family. So, it's, so pastor, how do we do all these things? That's your job to figure out. All right. But if you don't, your life's going to get miserable. And especially I'm talking to an assistant pastor or a youth pastor, somebody coming on staff, and, and they're not having their devotions, and they're not with their family, and they're not keeping their body. They're, they're going to be out of balance just like this pretty soon. And that's my challenge to you as a, as a church. Do we need to go soul winning? Yeah. Do we need to be at church? Yes. Do we need to be? Yes, 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 yes. But we need to be reading our Bible. If you fail at that, then the rest of it's going to just be a real bumpy mess. Could you testify to that? No. no. Father, help us. Lord, we've not talked about anything really new tonight. But I can sense, because I know my life, and I can sense it as I'm speaking, we just needed to hear it afresh tonight. May you move us along, closer to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.